70 years with KBS World Radio, 70 years of Global Korea. Throughout the year, we celebrate the 70th anniversary of KBS World Radio with the voices of our listeners from all over the world. Hello, pendengar KBS World Radio, dimanapun Anda berada. Perkenalkan, nama saya Rudy Hartono dari Kalimantan Barat. Hello, KBS World Radio listeners all over the world. My name is Rudy Hatono. I live in Kalimantan in Western Indonesia. I was deeply touched by the journey KBS World Radio took in becoming a station loved by all generations. I really want to mention how popular KBS World Radio is where I am. KBS World Radio's websites and social media accounts are especially a big source of inspiration. I think it provided its listeners with a variety of listening options by making a timely transition to new platforms in this day and age of ever-evolving technologies. I wish you will continue to please your listeners through great programs. Warm greetings from Indonesia. Dari Kalimantan, Indonesia. 70 years with KBS World Radio, 70 years of global Korea. KBS World Radio brings Korea to you wherever you are. It's Monday, the 27th of February, and welcome to Korea 24. I'm your host, Kwon jang The National Assembly has voted to reject the prosecution's request to arrest Democratic Party Chair Lee Jae-myung, but the vote was far narrower than anticipated. We'll have more on that in news briefing shortly. Last week, a South Korean court ruled that same-sex couples should be granted spousal coverage under the National Health Insurance. We'll learn more about this landmark ruling for our in-depth today. And coming up for Monday's Sports Roundup, we have the latest on Korea's preparations for the World Baseball Classic. And the national football team has a new high-profile head coach. Let's begin Korea 24. The National Assembly has voted against the government's request for consent to arrest opposition leader Lee Jae-myung over corruption charges. It had been expected that the Democratic Party would use its majority power to reject the request. However, the final tally shows it was far closer than expected. For more on this story and our other headlines from today, I'm joined in the studio by KBS World Radio News Editor Daniel Che. Daniel, hello. Hello, Jungle. Good to have you back. Yes, it's good to be back. The results are out on the Parliament's vote on the prosecution's attempt to arrest DP Chief Lee Jae-myung. Can you give us the full count and also help us read between the numbers? Right on Monday's plenary session, attended by 297 lawmakers, participants voted down a motion to allow the arrest with 139 for and 138 against. There were nine abstentions, 11 ballots were spoiled. With neither side reaching 149 votes needed to approve the prosecution's request for consent to arrest E, the opposition chief will not be arrested on corruption and bribery charges in relation to scandals during E's time as mayor of Songnam City. Before the secret ballot, the DP leadership had pledged to defend its chief with its parliamentary majority of 169 seats. 
but many apparently did not join in that move. Yi faces charges of breach of trust, conflict of interest, corruption, bribery, and concealing profits, as well as third-party bribery while serving as Songnam mayor. Uh, it seemed like before heading into vote, the, the DP was brimming with confidence. It seemed like the only thing standing in the way was minor inconvenience, 114 votes by the PPP and six by the Justice Party. Naturally, the DP expected an overwhelming vote against the motion. Now, it's clear members that did not align with the DP's move would have been in double digits, a very concerning figure indeed. A lot of time was wasted before the results were announced over two votes that weren't clearly written to indicate whether it was for or against. The ruling People Power Party said this is uh, what they call a dark day or an embarrassing day for the National Assembly that will go down in history and urge E to give up his immunity from arrest and show up for a court hearing on the arrest warrant. It criticized the DP for opening temporary parliamentary sessions to protect its leader from arrest as well and urged the main opposition to take time for self-reflection while taking a long, deep look into the final vote figures, 139 to 138. Prosecutors are widely expected to indict the opposition leader without detention as Parliament's rejection of the motion will lead to the automatic dismissal of the prosecution's arrest warrant request. The top office had no comments regarding the outcome, saying it's inappropriate to make such comments. Yes, so the dangerously narrow vote is quite a bombshell and one that threatens to undermine E's leadership. He has avoided arrest for now, but we will watch the political fallout in the coming days. Let's move on to other headlines. President Yoon Sung-yeol has ordered the Education Ministry to develop measures to eradicate violence in schools. This comes after this issue prompted the withdrawal of the candidate for the head of the National Office for Investigation over the weekend, which was a blow to the Yoon administration. Can you tell us more? Well, according to the Senior Presidential Secretary for Press Affairs, Kim Mune, on Monday, Yoon urged the ministry to drop the measures in cooperation with regional education offices during a meeting with his aides. The issue became a nation, the national topic rather over the weekend after former prosecutor Chung Sun-shin withdrew from the nomination for chief of the NOI after his son's school violence record, which went unflagged during the vetting process, resurfaced. And the presidential spokesperson, Yi Tou-un, conveyed the top office's regret for failing to properly screen the candidate, adding the president has a stern view of school violence. That's right. The top office expressed regret for failing to properly vet its candidate, acknowledging insufficiencies in inspecting the children of candidates for high-level government posts and pledging to seek improvement. Former prosecutor Chung reportedly concealed information regarding his son in a questionnaire for potential candidates introduced by the Yun government. The main opposition Democratic Party demanded that the administration issue an apology calling for officials involved in the candidate verification process to be reprimanded as well. The ruling People Power Party, however, rebutted the, uh, the, the call by referring to the DP's push for the appointment of former Justice Minister Cho Guk, despite alleged illegalities surrounding his children's university admissions. The Education Ministry vowed to devise measures to eradicate school violence in a regular briefing on Monday. The ministry said its commitment to changes comes amid social concerns surrounding recent events, as well as the need for improvements to the law on the prevention of violence in schools. The ministry usually prepares an implementation plan to eradicate school violence around the end of March every year. Moving on, the nation's human rights watchdog urged the government to abide by the UN Human Rights Council's recommendations to enact a comprehensive law banning discrimination 
and to abolish the death penalty. He tells more. Well, in a statement issued on Monday by the chair of the country's National Human Rights Commission, Song Duhan, the watchdog reviewed the recommendations by the UN body in a universal periodic review of South Korea. The recommendation also included the protection of labor rights for foreign workers, improvements in the nation's refugee review system, and enhanced accessibility to public transportation and facilities for the disabled. The UN recommended granting the domestic watchdog strengthened authority to promote women's rights, protecting the rights of groups vulnerable to the climate crisis as well, and also preventing rights abuses arising from advancements in AI and IT. The commission called on the government to be a part of the international community's resolve to defend human rights and to actively reflect public opinion in the process. Let's look at some new economic data now. South Korea's debt per household saw a decline for the first time in 19 years last year amid sluggish real estate investment and an increase in the number of households. So what more can you tell us? According to the Bank of Korea on Monday, outstanding household credits stood at 1 quadrillion 867 trillion won, or about 1.28 trillion U.S. dollars, as of the end of last year, logging a growth at 0.2% over a year earlier. With 21.58 million households registered, the average debt held was estimated at 86.52 million won late last year, 1.17% less than the average in 2021, which was tallied at 87.55 million won. It is the first time the figure fell since retreating 0.56% in 2003 from a year earlier. The decrease is due in part to high inflation and raised interest rates with aggregate household loans falling 0.46% from 2021 to 1 quadrillion 749 trillion one. The number of households nationwide jumped 1.4% from 21.28 million in 2021, contributing to the dip in the average credit per household. Meanwhile, a new survey shows that only 4% of young South Korean women think marriage is a must. These are concerning figures. That's uh, coming from an academic paper posted in the Journal of the Korean Association for Social Welfare Studies on Sunday. It revealed the results of a survey of 281 single men and women aged 20 to 34. Only 4% of women agreed that marriage and childbirth are essential. 12.9% of the men did. On whether marriage and childbirth are important in women's lives, 42.9% of the women said they are, considerably lower than men who said so at 61.3%. Over 53% of female respondents said they are not important, more than double the percentage of the male respondents who said they are not at 25.8%. Turning now to North Korea, North Korea opened an expanded meeting of the ruling Workers' Party Central Committee to discuss agricultural issues amid reports of a deepening food crisis. What more can you tell us? The Korean Central News Agency reported on Monday the expanded session of the 7th plenary meeting of the committee kicked off on Sunday with leaders uh, with uh, leader Kim Jong-un presiding over the meeting. The participants were scheduled to discuss pending crucial tasks regarding the principles of agricultural revolution. The meeting would also feature discussions and decisions regarding urgent tasks recommended to be carried out for national economic development and practical measures to complete them as well. Although the party central meeting focused on resolving food and agricultural issues since late 2021, little improvement has been seen reportedly, with allegations of starvation arising recently as well. 
And finally, South Korea's defense ministry says that providing support to Ukraine in the form of weapons is a matter that requires consideration at the government level. This comes, of course, after the war in Ukraine recently marked its one-year anniversary recently. Can you tell us more? On Monday, the ministry spokesperson, Tan Agyu, unveiled the position to reporters when asked to comment on the international community's public request that South Korea provide such assistance. Chun Shret's sole stance of not providing lethal weapons to Ukraine remains unchanged, adding that South Korea is actively providing humanitarian support, including recovery efforts. Last Friday, Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky told reporters that the provision of weapons by South Korea would be a positive development and added that his country is seeking to arrange a visit to Ukraine by senior South Korean officials. NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg also urged South Korea to provide military assistance to Ukraine in a forum in Seoul during his visit in late January. Also, uh, top envoys in South Korea from Ukraine are also asking for such assistance, saying they do appreciate what they have been getting from Korea so far. We'll wrap it up there for our news briefing today. Thank you for those updates. Thank you so much for having me. A landmark ruling was made at a South Korean court last week. The Seoul High Court ruled that same-sex couples are entitled to spousal coverage under the national health insurance system. This overturned a lower court's ruling in January 2022, and it is the first legal recognition of social benefits for same-sex couples in Korea, where same-sex marriage has not yet been legalised. So to talk more about this latest ruling and what this could mean for the LGBTQ community going forward, we have joining us on the line now Lee Hyo-jin, a reporter for the Korea Times who has been covering this story. Mizi, hello and thank you for your time today. Hello, hi, thank you for having me. So in a historic ruling last week, this whole high court ruled in favour of a same-sex couple seeking equal health benefits overturning a lower court's decision. Before discussing this ruling, could you tell us how this court uh, case emerged? Uh, sure. Now, this case began in February 2020 when 33-year-old man Kim Yong-min successfully registered his male partner So Song-wook as his dependent in the National Health Insurance Service. And this became the very first known case of a same-sex couple doing so. Uh, the couple has been together for about 10 years and they held a wedding ceremony in 2019. But uh, as you know, Korea does not recognize same-sex marriages. But in October 2020, after finding out that Kim and So are a gay couple, the state health insurance service reversed its decision, saying that there had been some sort of an administrative error. And to give you a brief explanation about how the health care coverage among family members works in Korea, in accordance to the National Health Insurance Act, in the case of a married couple, a spouse without a source of income is exempted from making a, a insurance contribution, and uh, that individual can sign up as a dependent for his or her partner. And although it is not specifically stipulated in the in the laws, the NHIS has so far recognized civil marriage couples as eligible uh, for the spousal benefit that I've just mentioned. 
But but in the case of this gay couple, the NHIS refused to give them the benefits since their marriage is not legally recognized here. Mm. So this is why Kinan saw uh, they they decided to file a lawsuit against the NHIS. Right. So amid this situation, the Seoul High Court gave its ruling last week. Uh, can you tell us more about uh, the ruling itself? And why did the High Court overturn the lower court's earlier decision? Yeah, sure. Uh, the Seoul High Court last week ruled in favor of the plaintiffs, the gay couple, overturning a lower court's decision which sided with the insurer. Uh, the appeals court examined the case based on the principle of equality before the law. Um, considering that the NHIS has been allowing civil marriage couples to sign up as each other's dependent, the court viewed that exempting the gay couple from the system can be viewed as discrimination based on sexual orientation. Uh, but as for the lower court, the Seoul Administrative Court, it rejected the plaintiff's petition uh, in February last year, stating that based on existing civil laws, the union of a man and a woman is understood as the fundamental element of marriage, and there are no legal grounds to exp- expand the definition to same-sex couples. So, uh, so to put it simply, the lower court examined the case based on whether Kim and Saw's marital relationship can be recognized by the Korean law, whereas the appeals court reviewed this case in terms of equality before the law. Yes, so this isn't the end of this case yet. It's still uh, set to go to the Supreme Court as uh, the NHIS is set to appeal this ruling. But uh, this ruling is all the more significant because, as we said, in South Korea, the Supreme Court and the Constitutional Court do not recognise same-sex marriage. Uh, But that begs the question, does the latest ruling by the Hoi Court run counter to such uh, non-recognition? Um, I wouldn't say so because uh, handing down the ruling, the High Court made it clear that the ruling itself does not mean that the court has recognized gay marriage or or a civil union of a same-sex couple. It stressed that the ruling is limited to the issue of health insurance coverage. And it is also notable that the judge did not use the term same-sex spouse in the verdict because it is not a legally recognized term in Korea and instead used the term... uh, same-sex partnership. Okay, Nobata, the High Court has made its ruling. What ramifications then could this have? What does uh, the High Court's ruling mean for perhaps even other social security systems for the uh, LGBTQ community? Uh, About the social security systems, well, from what we know so far, although this ruling is, is groundbreaking, but it is unlikely to shake up other social security systems because If we look at the laws regarding the national pension and employment benefits, for instance, there are clauses stipulating that civil marriage couples are eligible for spousal benefits. But the Health Insurance Act does not have such a clause as I've mentioned. So this has made it very unclear as to why heterosexual civil marriage couples have been eligible for spousal benefits and gay couples have been not able to receive the benefits. Right, so this highlights issues that the uh, same-sex couples do have to go through right now in Korea. South Korea, because it does not legally recognize same-sex marriage, it often leaves uh, couples in blind spots in terms of uh, social security systems then. Can you perhaps elaborate more on that situation as well? Uh, I understand that same-sex couples without the legal status of marriage are often excluded from government benefits. 
Yeah, sure. Uh, as you've mentioned, without a legal status of marriage, same-sex couples are excluded from basically um, every social security system the government has to offer. For example, housing benefits for newlyweds, inheritance rights, tax reduction and shared property uh, in the case of married couples, parental rights, employment benefits, um, basically everything, I mean. Uh, not to mention the medical rights, because, for example, when a same-sex partner falls into a critical condition and has to receive urgent surgery, the other partner obviously cannot be the legal guardian. Hmm. So, yes, uh, a whole host of uh, issues could arise uh, from that, clearly. Meanwhile, understand that the Minor Justice Party is planning to propose a bill which could benefit same-sex couples in Korea. Can you give us more details on that? Uh, Yeah, sure. The Progressive Justice Party welcomed the ruling and stated that they will enhance efforts to guarantee equal rights for sexual minorities. So they're planning to propose a law on civil union, which uh, already has been implemented in several European countries. And under this law, uh, if a couple is in a civil union, whether they're heterosexual or homosexual couple, they may get inheritance rights, employment benefits, property, parental rights, and etc., so, so in other words, uh, the law, if implemented, it will extend legal protections to same-sex couples at, at a state level. OK, but that's uh, a bill that's tabled for now, but uh, not yet, uh, obviously, uh, being looked yeah. at at the National Assembly. What does the Seoul High Court's ruling mean, then, for the LGBTQ community going forward? As we said, this case is still set to go to the Supreme Court for now. But what uh, ramifications could this have? Uh, yeah, sure. This this historic ruling was a huge leap forward for the LGBTQ community in Korea, where where sexual minorities still face significant challenges in fighting for equal rights. Uh, the LGBTQ organizations and supporters said this first ever recognition of a legal status of a same-sex couple will move Korea closer to achieving uh, marriage equality. And uh, there was this one sentence from the verdict which has gone viral among the uh, LGBT community here. And it reads that anyone can be a minority at some point, And being a minority simply means that the individual is different from the majority, not being wrong or incorrect. Right. So this ruling definitely sets a precedent, as we mentioned earlier. And that could, of course, lead to a similar lawsuit as well. But uh, we will see uh, what comes out from the Supreme Court rulings as well. We'll leave it there for today. We've been talking to reporter Lee Hyojin from The Korea Times. Thank you for your time and walking us through this issue today. Thank you. Thank you very much. Welcome to the Korea 24 Stock and Forex Update. The benchmark Korea Composite Stock Price Index lost 20.97 points, or 0.87% on Monday, to close the day at 2,402.64. The tech-heavy Kosdaq gained 1.42 points, or 0.18%, to close at 780.30. On the foreign exchange, the local currency weakened 18.21 against the U.S. dollar, closing the day at 1,323.1. You can check Korean stock and forex closings at world.kbs.co.kr. Next up, it's Korea Trending, our daily segment where we take a look at some of the other news headlines that have been trending online. 
And for that, we have our contributor, Walter Lee, joining us in the studio. Walter, hello. It's uh, good to see you. Hi, Jango. It's good to see you again. Yes, it's uh, good to be back. So what do you have for us? Okay, so first we have an update on a controversial cable car project on Mount Sorak, which has seen decades-long opposition from environmental groups. We'll also find out why a growing number of people in their 20s and 30s are opting to adopt low-consumption lifestyles. And finally, we'll have more details about BTS member J-Hope's solo single that will be released this week. Okay, so let's start with that first story then about the controversial cable car project. Can you tell us more? Yes, so this project is a controversial project on building a second cable car line inside Soraksan National Park is set to be pursued after some 40 years of heated debate. Now, the Environment Ministry's regional office in Wonju on Monday conditionally agreed with an environmental assessment submitted by Yangyang County in the Kowon province late last year. Okay, so there already is a cable car line there, but this is going to be a second line. Mm-hmm. But still, 40 years of heated debate. That's uh, pretty incredible. Why is it drawn uh, such controversy for so long? Okay, so the project was first proposed by Yangyang County back in the 1980s to breathe new life into the local economy. Now, it seeks to establish a 3.3-kilometre-long cable car system between the Osek area of Mount Sorak and the Kutchong Peak, which stands a 1,000 480 metres high. Now, the project appeared to gain momentum in 2015 when the Korea National Park Service decided to give conditional consent, but such efforts hit a snag when the Environment Ministry didn't support the service's decision. Now, the project then regained momentum last year after Kawan Governor Kim Jin-tae showed support for the plan in his campaign. Uh, environmental activists and groups strongly opposed the project out of fear that the new cable car system will harm the environment and endangered species in the region. I see. But you said uh, the Environment Ministry's regional office in Wonju conditionally agreed with an environmental assessment submitted by Yangyang County. Uh, what were those conditions? Okay, so the office requested Yangyang County to devise ways to boost the hab- uh, habitat functions for priority species and, carry- and to carry out additional on-site inspections on priority plants. It also asked the county to scale down the size of the cable car uh, stops to minimise damage to the ecosystem and landscape. With the Wanderer Environment uh, Environmental Office's latest decision, an administrative steps to break ground in the spring of next year have virtually been concluded. So it is perhaps finally coming, but I understand that environmental groups are still expressing concern. So I think it will be an issue that continues uh, to be debated. Let's uh, move on to our next story. In the meantime, what do you have for us? Yeah, so a growing number of people in their 20s and 30s are opting to adopt low-consumption lifestyles amid rising prices. Now, a restaurant in Seoul's Yongsan district that sells inexpensive Korean dishes says many customers have come to eat its half a portion of tteokbokki, a type of rice cake cooked in red spicy broth. Now, the restaurant first introduced the half dish, which costs 3,001, or a little over 2 US dollars, two years ago, but it has gained strong popularity more recently. Now, stores that sell zero-waste products are also enjoying popularity among young adults who are seeking to lead a low-consumption life. Right, I see. When you say stores that sell zero-waste products, you mean products that uh, 
don't have plastic packaging, right? Yeah, that's correct. So they have refill stations for shampoo, detergents, and soaps, as well as food products like, example, pasta and pepper. Now, when buying 300 grams of shampoo from a refill station, consumers can enjoy a discount of 40% in prices compared to when buying regular products. Now, these stores are particularly popular among young adults who live on their own, as they can buy goods in small portions at such establishments. Yes, and of course, uh, there are also other benefits uh, of such products, such as the fact that they also help preserve the environment by reducing unnecessary waste. Uh, But I'm sure it's no coincidence that this trend comes at a time when prices have been rising. Yeah, right. So observers know that the fact that such low-consumption lifestyles are regarded to be trendy shows that many are suffering hardships under prices that are continuously rising by the day. Mm. So they view this trend uh, is attributed to the current economic downturn that's hitting Korean people's wallets hard amid growing interest in climate change. Right, so as the cost of living is rising, more and more people, not just young people, uh, they're looking for anything to help ease the burden, but it does show Mm. how much this situation is putting a strain on people's uh, wallets at the moment. Right. Okay, let's uh, move on to our final story for today. What else has been trending? Okay, so many around Korea woke up this morning to the news that BTS's J-Hope is set to release a solo single and its music video this coming Friday. Now, the singer, whose real name is Chong Hosok, revealed the news on social media on Monday. Chong took part in both writing and composing the lo-fi hip-hop song titled on the street. With the title, the singer sought to include the idea of uh, of a street where an artist's dream first began and the road that Jung will take together with fans all around the world. Right, so this is exciting news, uh, but I'm sure J-Hope fans have uh, been on a bit of an emotional roller coaster as this news comes just a day after another piece of big news was announced, right? Yeah, that's correct. So Big Hit Music announced via the online fan community platform Weverse on Sunday that J-Hope will become the next member of BTS to begin his mandatory military service. Now, the singer completed his application to cancel the postponement of his enlistment and began procedures for military duty. The agency said it will alert fans on further details once they are finalised. Now, Jung had also talked about such preparations on Sunday, saying he had thought about the matter since last year. He said that he decided to enlist promptly in order to swiftly complete his mandatory service and come back to meet his fans. Yes, so as you mentioned, J-Hope will be the second member to serve as Jin, who is the eldest in the seven-member group, enlisted last December. That's correct. So he is currently serving as an assistant instructor at the Recruit Training Centre of the Army's 5th Infantry Division in Yongcheon, Gyeonggi Province. Now, he'll be assigned to a unit after completing basic military training. Now, Jong said he recently talked to Jin over the phone and sought various advice from the eldest member. On fans expressing disappointment over Jong's decision to enlist so soon, the singer said he has been gun-related preparations, adding that he has made various content for fans that will be released while he's away in the military. Right, and I guess today's announcement backs that up, that there will be plenty of J-Hope for fans to enjoy before and after he enlists. Uh, We'll be looking out for that release this Friday. Okay, we'll wrap it up there for today's Career Trending. Thank you for those stories, and we'll see you next time. See you next time. Continue on now to Monday Sports Roundup, our weekly update on the major sporting headlines from Korea. 
And for that, we have joining us on the line now the tremendous sports journalist Yuji Ho from the Yonlap News Agency. Jiwa, hello. It's uh, good to talk to you again. Yeah, it's great to be here too. Okay, we start with baseball because the World Baseball Classic is getting ever closer and the Korean national team has been getting ready for it, training in Tucson, Arizona in the US for the past couple of weeks. And they got some good news recently concerning the status of their two major league players as well, Kim Ha-sung and Tommy Edmund. They will be joining the team earlier than expected this week. So Ji-ho, what's the latest? Yeah, so Tommy Edmund is set to land in Korea about 6 a.m. Wednesday, March the 1st. And Kim Ha-sung will follow about 12 hours later. Uh, the national team is also scheduled to return home from Arizona earlier the same morning. Um, initially, Edmund was not expected to join the team until March 4th in Osaka, where Korea will play two official exhibition games against uh, Oryx Buffaloes and Hajin Tigers before the WBC. Uh, Kim Ha-sung was initially due here by March 3rd. So this latest change in the schedule would allow the only two major league players for Korea to at least spend one day training together with the, with the rest of the team. And this is important because they play shortstop at second base. They're the double play partners. So ideally, they would like, they would like to get more, more as many reps as they can possibly get before the tournament. And with this change, uh, they're going to have one uh, practice day on uh, Thursday, the 2nd of March. And uh, as far as the scrimmage on the 3rd, Friday at Coach of Skyrim against the SSG Landers. Uh, so these two major leaguers aren't technically eligible because it's not an official contest before the tournament. Uh, they get to play if they get permission from their respective major league clubs. But at this point, uh, the national team isn't really counting on that. Uh, I think they're just happy to have them a couple of days earlier than uh, they expected. Uh, so we'll see them. Uh, later this week, uh, hopefully during a practice session on on, uh, on Thursday, and obviously the official exhibition games next week against uh, two Japanese clubs. Sure, it's certainly helping to build excitement now. Uh, the competition kicks off in earnest next week, Wednesday. Jiho, are you excited? I know you're heading out there soon. I'm heading out uh, on, the, on the weekend, actually taking the same flight as the national team. Uh, I'm not going to see them because I'm flying a commercial. I mean, the, the I guess the con class, right? But uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, as the tournament gets closer, yeah, the, I, I think the excitement, excitement is building up. Uh, this is the first WBC since 2017, and Korea got knocked out of the first round then, despite playing the first round games on a home soil. So this is their chance at redemption, and um, they're trying to build up uh, for the moment. First game on 9th of March against Australia. Yes, well, we hope you have fun out there. We look forward to your breakdown after you get back. But before that, we have some other major updates to talk about today. Uh, We got some late-breaking major football news. The former Germany and US head coach Jürgen Klinsmann has been named as the new head coach of the Korean men's national football team. Reports first surfaced last week that he was close to taking over the Tegel Warriors and that he will be on his way to Korea sometime next week. Uh, This comes as the post has been vacant for almost three months since Paolo Bento left the post immediately after the World Cup. So, Jiho, what more do we know? Yeah, so the Korea Football Association announced on Monday that Klinsman has agreed to a deal that will take him through the 2026 FIFA World Cup 
which will be co-hosted by the U.S., Mexico, and Canada. Um, so that's about three and a half years, and he's also agreed to live in South Korea uh, for the duration of his contract. Uh, financial terms were not disclosed uh, per mutual agreement between the two sides. Uh, Klinsmann, obviously a big name, a German football icon, one of the best to ever play the game. Uh, I guess certainly the biggest name to take over the Korean team as coach, with all the respect to others who have come before him. Mm. Now, he will make his Korea coaching debut on March 24th against Colombia in a friendly match in Ulsan. Uh, four days later, there's going to be a World Cup rematch against Uruguay in Seoul. Uh, so he's going to arrive here sometime next week to begin his work. Uh, the KFA and Klinsmann will also go over uh, naming his coaching staff, his assistants, uh, Chaduri being mentioned as one of the early candidates because of his background in Germany. Uh, they worked together on the uh, technical study committee uh, study group for, for FIFA during the World Cup last year. Um, again, uh, Klinsmann, one of the all-time greats, first player to score three goals, at least three goals in three consecutive World Cups, winning the World Cup with West Germany back in 1990. He later coached Germany to uh, third place of the World Cup in 2006, uh, U.S. to the round of 16 in 2014. Now, he did not have much success coaching at the club level, uh, with Bayern Munich and Hertha BSC in Bundesliga. But he does certainly bring some, uh, I guess, a lot of cachet and star power to the Korean national team. Yes, definitely a high-profile name. But uh, Jiho, fans online have been very split about him ever since rumours first surfaced about his possible appointment in recent days. Uh, what do you think of the appointment and what do you think he can bring uh, for the Korean national team? Well, I guess he's certainly a polarizing figure among the fans of the national team here because of, you know, some of his, I guess, not-so-flattering history coaching clubs. And, you know, when he was coaching, which is actually a few years ago, the biggest knock against him was that he didn't really have the tactical acumen to run a team. So he left a lot of the tactical stuff to his assistants, his lieutenants, and he was mostly out there as, I guess, uh, sort of a motivator, uh, sort of a manager in charge. But he didn't really do a lot of work in X's and O's. That was at least the claim made by some players that play for him. So uh, we'll, we'll see how his coaching staff takes shape uh, over the next uh, few days or so. Um, you know, he's, again, a great name, uh, a big star in his days, but uh, maybe he could, I don't know, he's going to take some attention away from the players just because he's such a big name. <laughs> uh, we'll see. Uh, I, I think he's got a lot to prove. Uh, as far as some of the rumors against him, as you know, I just mentioned the tactical uh, skills. So, um, and it's been a while since he last coached the national team. So, is he up to? Uh, is, is he kind of caught up, caught up to date on the latest football trends? That's another question mark that he has to answer. Well, it's a good sign, at least, that he's uh, decided that he is willing to stay in Korea. I understand that was initially a sticking point or a concern, at least. It's a very intriguing appointment. It'll be interesting to see uh, what he has planned for Korean football beyond just what we see on the pitch as well, because he is known for someone who likes to work on the bigger picture. In the meantime, we'll get an early assessment of his influence with those uh, two friendlies against Colombia and Uruguay in a month's time. Uh, meanwhile, staying with football, the 2023 K-League 1 season is now underway. The defending champions Ulsan Hyundai FC came from behind to defeat Jeonbuk Hyundai Motors 2-1 in the season opener on Saturday. And it was played before a massive crowd in Ulsan 2, right, Gio? 
Right. It was a huge weekend for K-League One. Uh, 28,000 plus for the Wusan Jumbo Showdown, the largest crowd at a uh, K-League match in the post-pandemic era. And six matches on the opening weekend drew uh, just about 100,000 fans, a record in the current prom- promotion relegation era that started in 2013. Uh, for Chumbuk, Su Mingyu scoring the very first goal of the K-League One season uh, in the 10th minute, but Amon Sang tied things up late in the first half. And Ulsan's new Swedish midfielder, Gustav Lovixen, uh, scoring the go-ahead goal in the second half. Uh, Chumbuk goalkeeper Kim Jong-un bobbled the back pass from Hong Jong-ho, and uh, Lovixen capitalized on the misplay to put Ulsan ahead for good in that match. Now, also on Saturday, uh, we had the new, newly promoted Kwangju FC beating Suwon Samsung Blue Wings 1-0. FC Seoul over Incheon United 2-1. And on Sunday, we saw another promoted team, Daejeon Hana Citizen, uh, getting their first win of the season, beating Gangwon FC 2-0. Pohang over Daegu 3-2. And a goalless draw between Jeju United and Suwon FC. Finally, let's end with some basketball news this week. Korean player Lee Hyun-jung has signed with the Santa Cruz Warriors in the second-tier G League in the U.S. last week. And that's an important step forward for Lee as he hopes to play in the NBA someday. Uh, what more can you tell us, Gio? Yeah, so Lee Hyun-jung is a former Davidson uh, player, uh, wing guard, forward. He's a, he's a sharpshooter. Uh, he signed with the Santa Cruz Warriors and made his G League debut Wednesday. Uh, he has played three games off the bench in total so far. He's averaging four points, 5.3 re- rebounds, and two assists per game. Uh, you know, he was considered a fringe, possibly second-round draft candidate last year, but he suffered a really devastating foot injury during a workout a week before the draft. So he was not selected, not surprisingly, and he spent about six, six or so months rehabbing in Korea, and returned to the U.S. in January, underwent some more rehab, some conditioning workouts, and found his home in the G League affiliate of the Golden State Warriors. Now, the NBA Warriors have the greatest player to ever come out of Davidson College, that's Steph Curry, and hopefully uh, Ian Jun can be, I don't know, his teammate down the road at some point. <laughs> that's his goal. Uh, but he's got to make more shots. Three-point shooting, that's his bread and butter. He's only gone 12-14 from downtown so far in three games. Small sample size, but you know, in the G League, life is pretty tough, man. You gotta, you know, you, they don't give you a lot of time to to make an impression. You gotta go out there and make some shots now. Sure. Okay. Well, we're gonna have to wrap it up there for our roundup this week. Jiho, thank you for the updates. Have a great time in Tokyo, and uh, we'll speak to you when you get back. Take care. Okay. Thanks for having me. Did you enjoy this segment? You can discover more segments like this throughout the week on Korea 24. On Monday, we bring you news from the world of sports around the peninsula. Then on Tuesday, notable guests from various fields join us and give us insight into their lives and work. Are you a fan of books? Then tune in on Wednesday for Korea Book Club, where our book critic helps us unpack works by Korean authors or written on Korea. Go on an adventure with us every Thursday as we take a look at Korea's hidden gems with Explorer Korea. And on Friday, listen to what our film critics have to say about the latest movie releases from both home and abroad. We have all that you need, all in one place, on Korea 24. It's time for us to finish up the show as usual with our closing segment, Morning Edition Preview where we take a look at some interesting features or reports 
coming out in tomorrow's newspapers, namely the Career Times and the Career Herald, who we thank for providing us with their early editions to make this segment possible. And for that, we have joining us in the studio now our staff editor, Richard Larkin, who has been looking through those papers for us. Richard, hello. It's good to see you. Hello. Welcome back. Yes, thank you. Uh, I believe we have just one story today. Okay, so what do you have for us? Well, reporter Kim Hye-yun sat down with the president of the Korea Tourism Organization, Kim Jang-shil. In the article that can be found in the Life and Style section of the Korea Herald, the two discussed the future of tourism in the country, as well as the president's thoughts on what attracts foreigners to Korea. He began his three-year term as president of the KTO in October last year. Okay, so October. So still relatively new in his position, but enough time to have found his feet. Uh, So what are the president's thoughts on what attracts foreigners to Korea? Well, many people would think that the popularity of Korean content overseas is a big reason for the country's rising popularity. Mm. But Kim has said that he believes that the story of Korea is what will attract tourists to the country in the long run. He added that every passing moment of people's lives in history is embedded in streets, places and culture that we experience today. So it looks like he highly values using the country's history and culture to attract tourists. I see. I believe uh, we talked on the show before that 2023-24 has been uh, designated the Visit Korea Year by the KTO. Yes. With various uh, tourism-related promotions, campaigns and events being held. Mm-hmm. So the organisation has a busy year or so ahead of them. It does. The aim is to attract 30 million foreign tourists by 2027. According to the article, the number of inbound tourists to Korea last December jumped 498% on year to reach around 589,000. The majority of tourists were from Japan, the US and Singapore. This is very good news for the KTO. Let's see if they can reach that target number in the next few years. Yes, indeed. That 498% on year rise was, of course, due to the pandemic. Mm, right. uh, but I understand that the tourism industry still hasn't fully recovered back to pre-pandemic levels. So there is uh, definitely more room to improve. Mm. Uh, Does Kim mention how the KTO hopes to attract more tourists? He does, actually. First, it looks like the organisation is going digital to attract tourists and to make things easier for travellers. Kim calls it an A to Z all-digital tourism service. The KTO is hoping to connect with tourists digitally to help them with any travel needs, for example, help with airway services, hotels, attraction spots and restaurants. The article goes into detail about Kim and the KTO's future plans, so it is worth the read. Looking at the article, I think the KTO not only focusing on K-pop movies and dramas is a smart move. Mm. Korea does have an interest in history and culture, and yes, Korean content does continue to grow more popular, but it doesn't hurt to have a plan B or another way of another avenue for tourists to explore. Yes, of course, you can't just rely on Hallyu Korean content, but it has been such a wonderful ambassador, if you will, for Korea in recent years. And it is such a powerful advantage that Korea currently has at the Mm. moment. Uh, It does, uh, I guess, the KTO still does have to cater to that market as well. And from there, it can also serve as a gateway for those who... Uh, to discover more about Korea through Korean content and they come here and to fall in love with it. Yeah, that that was actually what happened with me. Uh, I actually first found out about Korea through (laughs) K-pop, Super Junior, Girls' Generation, like the older groups. So when I first came to Korea, I didn't really know a lot about the history, but looking at the palaces, learning about the Joseon period and the Joseon era, it was actually very welcoming. Like I really enjoyed learning about that part. 
Sure, and the KTO president does have a point. Who knows how long this uh, Korean content popularity will right. last? Yeah. Uh, but Korean history and Korean culture, of course, will last forever. <laughs> exactly. So uh, that is something that uh, will the KTO, I'm sure, will be looking to develop, and as well. Di- uh, bring in a more diverse range of tourists, which is something that I think they are looking for as well. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that is a story that uh, people can check out in tomorrow's Career Herald. Mm -hmm. That's where we'll wrap it up for Morning Edition Preview. Richard, thank you for those stories, and we'll see you next time. Thank you. See you next time. And that brings us to the end of our show today. Before we go, we'd like to remind you that the 24-hour stream of KBS World Radio's English service is now live on YouTube. You could enjoy all your favourite shows now on the platform. Just search for KBS World Radio and you can tune into our English service shows, including Career 24, at regularly scheduled hours throughout the day. That's, of course, on top of being able to listen to our broadcasts on our apps, KBS Kong, KBS World Radio and KBS World Radio On Air. You can also listen on shortwave for the broadcast schedule. Check our KBS World Radio website. That's world.kbs.co.kr. And finally, you can listen back to our previous shows as a podcast. That's available on the website as well, as well as popular podcast apps, including Naver Audio Clip. That's all from us here on Career 24. Thank you for staying with us. We'll be back again tomorrow. So join us again then for more news, views and reviews from Korea. Till then, we hope you have a great day. I've been your host, Kwon jang and thank you, as always, for listening. Goodbye.